Hey, yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Jarrah Watkins Podcast. My name is Jarrah Watkins. And of course, you listen to my podcast. I am coming this week from Miami. Yeah, I'm actually at DJ Khaled's Finger Licking. I just had some finger licking chicken with my special guest this week. And this week's show is about immigration and people who leave the Caribbean and move to especially the States to live and second generation immigrants and I want to get a sense of their feeling of their interest points and their experience as people who are not from America and are now living in America or visiting America or going to school in America I want to get a sense of that experience and my first guest will be coming up after the break but before that if you are yet to get any of my books Jarrah's Hope or Coloring Culture Please go to Barnes and Nobles or Amazon right now. Stop what you're doing. Yeah. Go click www.amazon.com slash Donovan Watkins slash Jarazope or go to Barnes and Nobles. Go to Barnes and Nobles store anywhere and tell them you want a copy of Jarazope or Coloring Culture and they'll get it for you. So check that out. And after the break, I will be with my first guest. Don't go nowhere. Yes, yes. So I am back with my first guest. I am going to let her introduce herself, but I've known her for quite some time. And her name is Kimberly. What's up, Kimberly? Hi, Mr. Watkins. How are you? You know, they should call me Mr. Watkins because I used to teach Kimberly. I haven't seen you in a long time, Kimberly. I know. It's been a while. Yes. So, this episode is about life in America for Caribbean immigrants. Wow. Um, particularly Jamaicans. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a statistic that came out in the papers, um, and I wrote about it in my book also, Jarrah's Hope, where about 44% of Jamaicans migrate. Mm-hmm. And there was a recent one, like very recent, that showed that 90 upwards of 90% of Jamaicans would migrate if they were given the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you are tell us about your experience. Um, first of all, how did you get to America and what are you doing in America? Okay, well, currently, um, I'm an international student, I'm pursuing my degree in supply chain management. I've already acquired my degree back at home. I already have my business degree. I majored in marketing. Where did you go to school? Uh, I went to um, Excelsior Community College. Yes. And you got a degree in? Uh, business. I majored in marketing. And then after you finished that degree, mm-hmm. what were you doing? I was just traveling back and forth. I was just were you using the degree oh no oh no and then you decided to pursue more degrees um yeah because honestly like my degree is just basically for my parents because they honestly believe you know oh back in the day oh if you don't have anything to fall back on it makes no sense type of thing but i've always been like an entrepreneur i've always been doing business i've always been on my grind even from high school um from high school Mergrove, i was like hustling i was like selling buying and selling shambalas and everything of that so it's, it's all started from there with what's shambala for those it's, who don't know oh it's like a little 
it's a bracelet. It was like bedazzled with diamonds and like everything. Like Pandora? Yes, something like Pandora. So before Pandora, there was Shambhala. Yes, there was like Shambhala. Big up Shambhala. <laughs> so I usually just buy them in bulk and just sell them back. All right. So then you started business at Exed and then you... No, I started from Merle Grove. You started business at Merle Oh, Mer- no, no, no. Oh, what you, what you said? You started business, your business yes, degree at Merle yes, Grove, right? Yes. So you always had the business in you from Merle Grove. From Merle Grove. So you decided to pursue that. Now, what are you studying here in America? I am studying supply chain management. And does, does this connect to your business? Yes, again? definitely, because it's like the transportation of goods and services from one point to the next. And with having a business degree, you need, have to, you, you have to, it's, 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 it's important to know where your goods going, how to track it, and how to basically find the cheapest way of dealing with certain things. So that's what supply chain management is all about. Okay, so if you complete the degree, how long you have to complete the degree? I basically, because I transferred my credits, so I have like uh, less than a year. So within a year of you completing this degree, mm-hmm. will you go back to Jamaica to offer your services to the Jamaican public? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, And why? Why? Like, um, what, do you, what do you want to do after? Honestly, I ain't been trying to say, yo, I don't love my country or anything of that sort. Like, um, yeah, it's not trying to say, like, um, I don't love my country or anything of that sort. But right now, my main focus is building myself, building my brand, and just trying to reach to the highest height. And you don't think you could do that in Jamaica? Um, no, Jamaica, Jamaica, I believe that there's a glass roof with Jamaica. It's a third world country and the United States, you have more opportunities um, and the sky's the limit. But some persons might argue that there are people in Jamaica who have successful businesses, who have the same degrees and, and such and are doing well in Jamaica. So why you think you can't do well and why why would you give that human capital to America versus give it to Jamaica? Oh, don't get me wrong. Of course, I can make it anywhere that I want. So once I put my mind to it, but I'm trying to get on the Forbes list. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm thinking beyond Jamaica's level right now. So Jamaica is not, Jamaica's on the observer list and not yeah, the Forbes. Yeah, in other fun, in other fun, the Forbes. <laughs> so Kim, what, what are you going to do after your you've completed your degree well definitely I, um i have a thing for traveling so my thing is to travel the world gain more experience on top of what i have had thus far um open couple of my businesses because currently i just launched my hair business i do supply um perfumes and colognes to small businesses in jamaica um and then currently i'm, I'm trying to see how best i can do the same with furniture and electronics so Yes, I'm, I'm dabbling. So Kim is a dabbler. Kim said she's dabbling. Now, a lot of people are dabbling in several professions. They put the hyphen between their names and they embrace the hyphen. And that seemed to be a narrative carried by a lot of Jamaicans and Caribbean nationals once they reach America. Um, sometimes they'll have one job or no job in Jamaica. And when they get to America, they do several jobs and they dabble and dabble and dabble. Let's get back to Kim. So after you dabble and make a lot of money, do you plan to go back to Jamaica? Of course. My parents have 
businesses down there. So of course I'd be going back, um, reinvesting in my community, um, in my country. Also, I want to establish my nonprofit organization in Jamaica, helping the ones in need. I've done several projects. Um, I fed the homeless. I have done charity events at a boy's home. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to expand on that once I'm fully... Um, and you think America will be able to help you to do even more of this charitable work? Definitely. It's all about networking and who you know. And if, let's say, you were offered the same job that's paying the same amount of money in Jamaica and America, which one would you take? America. Why? Why not? First world comparing to a third world country. I think it's just self-explanatory. All right, so that's Kim. Um, Stay after the break. I'll be coming with my next guest. Yes, so my next guest is Noel Sampson. Noel has very little experience outside of America. He was born in America, but he was born to Caribbean parents. And I'll let him tell you about his story. Noel, what's up? How's it going, Jay? Uh, nice to see you again, man. I haven't seen you in probably like 20 years. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm a uh, man. <laughs> I know. Last time I saw you were a kid. Um, so, Noel, you have a unique experience um, that a lot of people have, but a lot of people also don't have. Hmm. Um, many Caribbean people that are living in America, they once lived outside of America and they came here. We're not yet at the space where a whole generation of Caribbean people were born here, like a lot of them. Yeah. You know, it, it happens, but yeah. it's not everybody. Um, probably the next generation, because a lot of people are being born right. here. Yeah. Um, sure. But but I want to know, um, tell us about your heritage as a Jamaican. As a Jamaican? Yeah. Where's your mother and your father from? All right. So my mom, uh, she's from St. Elizabeth. Uh, my dad right there in uh, Spanish town, Kingston. Um uh, what they they migrated here? Uh, uh, and when were you born? Where? When? 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 Oh, I was born May thirty first, nineteen eighty nine. So you were born at a time when Jamaica was in a lot of turmoil. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> something I wouldn't know. And <laughs> uh, your parents moved here, right. and dad, you. Um, have you? Do you compare the experiences? Um, of your parents and have, did they tell you about their experience growing up? Yeah, I get a lot of stories, um, but they don't they don't come from a point of sh- struggle. Even though they did men- they do mention the struggle, but like they didn't they didn't notice it or recognize it to be a struggle growing up. They I think now that they live here, they compare it to that. But I don't think they growing up they valued it in the same light because they didn't know anything else. So for them it was normal. So, uh, yeah, but they definitely talk about their experiences, um, how life was um, in terms of, uh, like, getting food. My mom, she lived in the country, so it was like a farmer's type thing. You had to, you know, raise your own animals, to grow the crop, pick it, you know, stuff like that. They buy and sell. Like, it's a community kind of living. 
Um, my dad was more of a city boy, but for the most part, it's the same concept of like my grandfather like raised goats and stuff like that in his yard. And I mean, it was pretty much the same concept of living. So like moving here where everything is kind of like at your fingertips, um, cost of living is different, you know, like just access to certain things that you didn't have growing up. I guess that's their point of comparison now, but they don't, they never really talked about it from a point of struggle, but. So, so do they tell you those stories that they would share with you um, to get you to appreciate this a little bit more? I don't know. I guess I guess that that would be their their angle is for me to to understand where they're coming from and where I am now. Um, and yeah, I guess to appreciate it. But uh, I just think it's more so for knowledge, just to know what life was like back then for them growing up. Um, and then just kind of like the difference to how it is for me now. Um, but I think it's just informative. So fast forward, fast forward to, um, fast forward to now, um, when you go back to Jamaica, what is that like compared to here? (laughs) For you in particular? For me, um, it's a, it's a different experience now because I used to go to Jamaica when I was younger you know, during the summers to visit family and things like that. And even just now, it's it's different because things are a lot more modern. Um, I don't feel like the same level of separation from, like, technology or access to certain things as I did, like, going back during the summers when I was younger. So, like, there now, I do go at a different standpoint. Like, I try to go, like, as a tourist, even though I'm, like, amongst, like, the family home and family when I'm there. But it feels more like like going as a tourist as opposed to going to visit and, like, learn or experience my family side of how they live in Jamaica. So that's part of Noel's story. Noel has not experienced any hardships in Jamaica and he still enjoys the technology and the ease that perhaps many people in Jamaica don't enjoy. And I'm about to find out if that's unique to him and his American experience or that's the general vibe he gets in Jamaica. So, um, do you think that it's because... You are an American, and sometimes Jamaicans treat Americans quite different yeah. than they treat Jamaicans. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you do? You think you get certain privileges as an American, second-generation immigrant um, that returned to Jamaica? Absolutely. I mean, I can't. I can't knock the fact. It's, it's actually very obvious. Um, even as a child, going back, uh, going to Jamaica, like. Um, going out with like my cousins like I couldn't be the one to necessarily go and talk to like the store <laughs> you know salesperson or however it is because one or two things are going to happen in the store they're going to either jip me or they're going to do the most and so like my cousin had to be the one to go put on the whole pata in the, the whole situation so that way I don't get noticed in that sense but um but if like you're out and about and you get in certain service like you go to a restaurant and stuff like that once they kind of know hey this is a foreigner and they might nice you up a little differently you know um family family too family treats you different like 
I noticed how like certain cousins and stuff would move around the ones that live there, the locals, as opposed to when like I come or my other cousins come. <laughs> and I can't hold on this laughter anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I definitely, I can definitely say that there's a difference in the experience when you go back. And on the flip side, do you find that being the son of immigrants? they treat you different in america separate from the black experience do you think you get certain privileges or you get um bullied as somebody from uh caribbean heritage uh the the only surface level thing that i think i've experienced from the people that like here um are mostly like oh you're not a real jamaican you know um and then like uh, if I'm talking to like an American and they're like, well, you're not American. So it's like you find yourself in this in-between. But for me, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, I call myself a Jamaican and it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But um, so, so in, Jama- in, in Jamaica, you're not Jamaican. Right. Definitely. Right. <laughs> and in America, you, you, you're not American and you're not really Jamaican right. either. Right. So so you, you have a unique experience, which which is what I predicted because... Usually, when cultures clash, that happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. And, and, and what is that? How you manage to get over those um, surface struggles, whether in school or work or? Honestly, I embrace it because I I do appreciate that I have like this other factor about me. Like, yes, I'm I'm Black American here to everyone. Like, you look at me, that's just what it is. I'm always going to be a Black American. In America, you know, no matter what your cultural background, you're always going to be black American if you got that shade of pigment. But for me, I like that I can say that I'm African-American when I want to, you know, or if I'm checking off the the little boxes. Um, I like that I can hold on to the fact that my parents are from Jamaica and I can say that I'm Jamaican, too. You know, I like holding on to that other factor, like has have like having a black card and a Jamaican card. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just something different. That little one up. And I, I appreciate it. I, you can just pluck up yeah, whichever one whichever to use. One, I'm ready to pluck out. That's just what it is. You know, um, what's your profession? Tell us about your profession. Um, right now, I'm a flight uh, operations coordinator for a private jet company. Um, here, right oh, now. so we should really be doing this on a private jet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Right, on the next episode of the Gerald podcast, we'll be coming from the Global Express. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be magical, man. Straight from the air. And, and does that help you? Does your multicultural, and it's, I use multicultural loosely mm-hmm. um, in terms of nationality, mm-hmm. um, does that experience of being uh, of Jamaican heritage and living in America, does that help you in your job? Um, I want to say yes, and and simply because of my cultural experience, or less cross cultural experience, um, being born and mostly raised here in America, but still having the opportunity to go back to Jamaica. Um, and kind of gauge the difference and experience the difference in the type of living. I've learned to appreciate different cultures. That sort of exposure allowed me to take in other cultures here in America in a different way. So like the, the Spanish and the Haitians or the Bahamas, you know, the different cultures that I come across, it's easier for me to kind of identify and and appreciate 
where they're coming from i don't have like this closed box idea of what it should be or you know i'm saying it's appreciating it for what it is and that helps me in the office because it is diverse um so i get to interact and learn things from other people i like that aspect so and my last question is um and i don't know you're gonna see this noel but if it would you go back to live in jamaica Okay, I thought about it. You can speak the truth, though. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. Here's the thing. Where where my family settled in Jamaica, my dad has a house there. It's nice. It's secluded. It's cool. Um, I thought about retiring there um, pretty much earlier than I anticipated. Save up and go back because, you know, the cost of living is different. But, um... I, I personally wouldn't mind living there. I would just wouldn't want to live there by myself. Does that make sense? Like it would I would have to either attach myself to like a family member that's there or or go down with someone, maybe my parents or somebody, you know, like just I wouldn't want to do it alone. Yeah, uh, life is better with company. Yeah, sure. Um so you're definitely doing this American journey until your moms and pops yeah. are ready to go. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Noah, thank you so much. This was interesting, man. And there you have it. My second guest on the Gerald podcast, we're talking about Caribbean nationals, in particular Jamaicans living in America and what those different experiences are like. And let's see what we'll find by the end of these interviews. I'm Gerard. Stay tuned for my next guest. So, yeah, the story of immigrants is a very complex one, and it's one that if we should really examine, it goes really deep, you know? And that's why I got these guests to let you further understand that there is a sense that people are feeling like everything is better outside of Jamaica, but Jamaica is like this aphrodisiac place, this place that you go to retire. And, and, and for Jamaicans, like, how do, Jama- how do Jamaicans feel about this? Because there's this thing about brand Jamaica and brand Jamaica being beneficial to Jamaicans, both overseas and, and, and locally. But I don't know how much of a benefit that is. Because recently, I saw where Tina Pinnock, known professionally as Hood Celebrity, and she's a Jamaican dancer, singer, songwriter, and she lives in the Bronx. She got signed to Epic Records. Uh, she released two mixtapes in 2017 after only having one hit song. And the record label found interest in her career. From all indications, she has been working hard to establish herself on the mainstream. And she also has a song on the Superfly movie soundtrack. And the Superfly movie is a big movie. For those of you who haven't checked it out, please go check that out. And this is commendable for her. And, and I want to congratulate her publicly on this podcast. Big up Hood Celebrity. I hope to get to interview her soon. However, it made me wonder why more youth from Jamaica who sing at this, with the same accent, the same Patois accent, and work as hard were not afforded the same opportunities because it's the same genre of music, dance hall, that many Jamaicans living in Jamaica are doing. What is it about the information, education, and access given to most Jamaican youth 
that place them at the back of the line and kind of render them inferior to their overseas competitors and people who live in places like the United States and Europe and even Canada. And what's more interesting is that the competitors overseas and the people who leave Jamaica, they seem to have this knowledge that there is really a true advantage to living overseas. We, we heard Kim speak about it earlier with her choice to, to make sure that she attend college overseas and she's not having any she don't have any plans of moving back and many times the jamaican culture is appropriated by americans and canadians who use the same culture to climb the world charts and claim huge prizes at these big award shows and it is no wonder that jamaican youths believe that they start life with an unfair advantage the competitive pendulum they're at the back and they seek to move overseas at the first chance they get whether it is through marriage through school whatever access point they can get they they choose to to get out of jamaica and and find quote-unquote opportunities even if the opportunities that they seek will come through their talent that they developed in Jamaica. And while the Americans are progressing in huge numbers and those that move to America are pro progressing from making new networks, the struggle to make it mainstream remains a constant for especially Jamaican artists. According to an island-wide poll commissioned by the National Building Society, and it was conducted by Bill Johnson about five years ago, they said 36% of Jamaicans would leave Jamaica today if possible. Another 32% see the very culture and country they inherited as a hindrance to their well-being. And 43% of those respondents were college graduates. 43%. Many people in Jamaica work hard to become the best in their field in spite of the perceptions. Their only hindrance is being in the wrong country. When they work harder and they do get congratulated, but the monetary rewards remain inferior compared to people who live in North America and Europe. And, and I, I wonder why is this? Because if I'm doing the same work as somebody else, um, we should get the same pay. That's called balance. That's called fairness. And that's called free trade and fair trade markets. <clears throat> Sorry. I've heard people argue that Usain Bolt, if he was from a first world country and lived outside of the Caribbean, especially, his brand would, come, would have commanded more wealth. Even though Usain Bolt is the highest paid track and field athlete of all times. But being an international superstar with his world class achievements, if he wasn't living in Jamaica, he would have commanded more value. So they're saying his place of residence reduced his value. I heard Spice recently said on Love and Hip Hop that she outgrew Jamaica and was in America to break new ground for her career. She didn't say whether she migrated fully or was visiting to make this a reality, but she said it. She said she outgrew Jamaica and she was in America to make good. Now, if you're schooled in Jamaica, for example, as a doctor or achieved mastery level education at any local institution, and should you decide to go live abroad, say in the USA, you would need to do an updated aptitude test, 
with a United States college degree or a London college degree, you can get a job based on your qualifications in most countries, including Jamaica, without any further testing or any much rigorous testing. Jamaica has world-class performers who are on par with performances by Jay-Z and Beyonce. Maybe not Beyonce, but definitely on par with Jay-Z. And they have big brands that can be further developed. Many of those acts are struggling to get established on the world music scene, even though they're the best in their field. uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce's recent album, All Is Love, it featured an interlude, an introduction to a song by Dr. Lantonet Steins. And Lantonet Steins said she didn't get paid, she didn't get credited for this. I spoke to Lantonet only a few days ago and she said she has her lawyers on it working on getting the recognition from Jay-Z and Beyonce, even though her words were the theme of Jay-Z and Beyonce's song when they came to Jamaica. So yeah, there's some amount of exploitation also happening because of this perception. And we're talking, these are world-class people. Jay-Z and Beyonce are on tour right now, reaping world-class money, world-class fame off the energy and strength of what Lantonette Steins freestyled off the top of her head. And she has not get paid, gotten paid. And she didn't even get credit for her words on the album, even though her words is the dominant theme of the entire album. All is love. Now, opportunities follow perception. So labels are staying clear of approaching Jamaicans with lucrative deals for whatever reason. And it may be because of what I've said earlier. But they make excuses about the quality of music and the troubling brand. Although many artists on their roster have done far worse than any Jamaican act. But when they come to Jamaica and they exploit Jamaica, they take the culture and they go to the world and not pay homage. And that is cultural appropriation, whether you're black or not. Because you, you've got to embrace the people, give the people their just due if you take from them. You have to give them at least credit for giving you that. Um, yeah, so uh, to a child growing up in Jamaica with only a Jamaican citizenship, he or she will wonder about how bankable this brand Jamaica power is both in and outside the shores of Jamaica. Because if local citizenship cannot grant him or her access to the world's resources, when he displays excellence at work, he will seek different alliances. Because many Jamaican superstars have never even taken a vacation because they're working every day tirelessly for the benefit of themselves and their country and if that cannot grant them the access they need they're gonna find new alliances so who benefits from the inferior knowledge and access now being given and who's withholding the diplomacy that will embolden the talks needed to break the barriers for artists for professionals for other people who are working at the highest level of their field because currently the visa for a high-level worker from Jamaica to come to the United States costs 3000 US dollars. That's the O2 visa. It's not the same for a high-level American who wants to go work in Jamaica, or any country for that matter. So who benefits? Who benefits from holding back the artists who are at the top of their game living in Jamaica? Why only let in one or two artists from the diaspora through cultural affiliation? 
like a hood celebrity or a Rihanna, you know, um, it, it, it's very seldom that you find artists getting major label deals to to conquer the world with the resources that these labels have. And last and more directly, I'm saying congratulations for all the artists who got major deals and got major support for distributing their art. But why would a major label skip over the top female acts in Jamaica like Spice, Shensia, Tiffa, Conscience, Chronics, Taurus Riley, and I could go on and on, to only sign one artist with only one hit in her catalog? Why? It speaks loudly for the lack of research and respect record labels and executives have for the culture and the people. And what are we going to do about it? Because it cannot continue as is. It needs some sort of firm foundation. It, it requires the Jamaican, because nobody will give you your freedom. You've got to take this. Nobody will say, hey, oh, I've been using your music for years. Let me give you this. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to keep on coming to Jamaica. They're going to get the best hospitality ever. And then they're going to take the culture and they're going to go. And they're going to take your talent and not give you credit for your talent. And there has been many other artists from Jamaica who recorded songs. Songs became big and they never got the credit they deserve or the compensation that they deserve for their art. So, yeah, think about that. Jamaicans living in America, Jamaicans living in Jamaica. What's the difference? And how do we go about setting the pace so that the education, the access, the opportunities given are balanced and free for every man, woman, and child across the world? So that's it for this episode of the Jerry Watkins Podcast. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Music, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Have a great day. I am out.